0: What's up, Sifters? Welcome to Game Face episode 18. It's been a little while, folks. It's good to be back and doing shows with you guys. And as you guys can see, my guest co-host today, the one and only, the incomparable, Daniel Bloodworth from <laughs> GT, now the managing editor of GT, am I might yeah. add. What's it like now that you were a lead editor before, now you're the managing editor there? How has your role changed?
1: Oh, it's just more about yeah, keeping everything on schedule and and You get to do less of the fun stuff now, right?
0: (laughs) Now you're starting to see how it was when I worked with you and like you guys got to go out and do all this fun stuff and I just (laughs) had to stay in the office chained to my desk pushing pushing papers and sending out emails to people and Yeah, it's not as glamorous as you think, right?
1: (laughs) I never thought it was glamorous. But yeah, yeah. It's, it's just, yeah, just trying to keep all the contacts and everything going, yeah.
0: So are you running, like, all the content there as far as, like, the day-to-day? Do you handle, like, the reviews? Are you, like, the reviews editor for GT now? Yeah,
1: yeah, basically, I uh, uh, coordinate who's doing what reviews and kind of figure out the the month every month. And actually, yeah, I kind of just took over, like, the Games of the Month videos as well because, of, like, I'm doing this anyways. Great videos, by, was, by the way. Well, put, you know, we, we <laughs> started
0: those back when I worked there and they ran for years and years. But, you know, what I found working on Sifted is that You guys are still the only ones that do them. Like, nobody else puts out, like, a monthly roundup of all the games that are coming out on the first day of the month. It's a great tool, and it helps me, actually. Like, it jogs my memory and reminds me, oh, yeah, all these games are coming out this month. I need to contact BR people to try to get... It's (laughs) super
1: hard. It's so much harder than you think it should be. Oh, yeah. Because, like... Sometimes things don't have real official dates, and then what Zombie was announced? Yeah, yeah. Like, after we had the video done, it's like, thanks, guys. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Stick this in there Yeah,
0: yeah. But uh, (laughs) glad to have you on the show, man. Welcome to Game Face. We have a fun little show here. We talk about six topics, and then we do a big topic at the end. Uh, Just want to talk to some of the sifters out there. Thanks for sticking with the show and being patient while we try to find co-hosts. It has been difficult over the summer, lots of people going on vacation and out of town. I will tell you that we have settled on a permanent host, and that will be a big surprise for next week, and we will have the show going every week from here on out. So thanks for being patient. Obviously, we had a bit of a bump in the road at E3 with Marcus and everything, but we finally got everything ironed out, and we are good to go. And with that, let's get to the Big Six. (music) Big Six So Daniel, this week a company that I thought was probably just gonna go under and just fade off into oblivion and irrelevancy was purchased by Razor. Ouya purchased yeah. by Razor. Daniel, can you see any reason why Razor would purchase Ouya? Keeping in mind that Razer already has an Android-powered micro-console. What do you think is the whole genesis behind this merger? Or not merger, this outright purchase.
1: Uh, Well, actually, what's really interesting is that from what I was reading, they didn't really buy the company as a whole. They didn't want anything to do with the hardware. They bought the store and everything that kind of comes along with that. So it's it's more like they yeah, they want the platform, they want all the, the titles and, and everything that they've got there so that they can put that onto their own services and, and, and rebrand them and bring those customers into their infrastructure.
0: But how is that gonna work? Are they gonna be able to just take over that store and suddenly link Oya's service into their existing microconsole? Is that
1: That's the that sounds like that's the plan, yeah.
0: That seems odd, because you have these two ecosystems. I don't even, I'm not even very familiar with their micro console to see what kind right. of an environment that they had as far as purchasing games. But it seems like it might be kind of complicated to take those user accounts and transfer them over one. But the other part of it, too, is like, is there any value in that? Because it's not like Ouya has been setting the world on fire. There's a reason it's been sold. There is a reason I thought it was probably not going to survive.
1: Right yeah it's 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 weird it's like i you know it's like i guess it's like just like on paper and the numbers and and those you know the amount of games that they have and that kind of thing it's like, you know it looks good for them it gives them kind of a, a foot in the door um i know I was, there's some talk about you know the market in china and and in and helping there and, and so it's just What market
0: is there going to be in China for the (laughs) Wii? I mean, I'm sure you've seen the reports lately about how, like, the consoles are doing terrible in China, and China just dropped the nationwide ban on selling consoles because it used to be it was just in certain areas where they would sell them. Now they're able to sell them nationwide. Obviously a wide-open, huge market there and a lot of potential, but the consoles haven't been doing really well. It's kind of PC country, so, again, like, I don't really see the point in, you know, worrying trying to get sort of a Trojan horse into that market with the Ouya. It doesn't make much sense to me. And then you look at Razer, it's not even known for its micro... I mean, most people don't even know it has its own console. Razer is known for, like, accessories, basically. Right. And PC gaming accessories, like mice and and really, really expensive mouse pads. <laughs> They're like $40 or whatever. And keyboards and things like that. So... You know, maybe I can see where they're trying to expand their market a little bit, but I don't know that this is the right way to do it. To be honest.
1: Yeah, I mean, it seems like a lot of people are just seeing like the Android expansion and and just that that platform. It's so easy to bring over those mobile phone games that. Lots of competition too, because yeah. you have like the
0: Fire TV from Amazon. I mean, Amazon's got some deep pockets. I mean, if it seems to me, if any publisher or company is gonna be able to succeed with a micro console with a, running Android that it would be Amazon and not some company who had to buy another failing company to try to get into the market.
1: Yeah, and that, that's weird too because like Fire TV is like, okay, they made a big deal when it came out and then it's like, okay, what are you yeah. what are you guys doing? Once in a while you hear about something like Hotline Miami too and it's now coming to Fire TV, but it's just a little bit more do do little marketing yeah. for the
0: Fire. Like um, a good friend of mine and I'm sure you know him as well, Garnet Lee, he's working at Fire now. And uh, he's kind of the guy who goes out and tries to find new software for the platform. But they don't do the traditional marketing. Like, they'll put out, like, one trailer that's a montage of, like, all the games that are coming. But you won't get, like, individual pieces of media for its games. Not even its first party. Like, it's exclusive games for Fire. You won't get that stuff. So it almost seems like they're running a different race. They're trying to find a different way to market it to their audience. But... To me, at the end of the day, it just means it's invisible. Like, I just don't know anything about it.
1: But, I mean, isn't that the case? Like, how many times do you get, like, this press release from a mobile developer? It's like, we've got 90 million downloads, and, like, I've never heard of you. Uh, What are you talking about? Yeah, I mean, you know, we look through everything before we aggregate and
0: uh, curate stuff to Sifted, and, like, probably 30 to 40% of the stuff that we're looking at is all mobile stuff, and we don't curate a lot of it. It's usually we'll curate stuff that's based on franchises that, like, Console that have been on the consoles before, on the PC before, but you're right. Like it just, you're right. In your inbox every day, it's probably like sixty percent of the emails are for these weird mobile games. They're like, oh, we've had a bajillion D downloads, and then you know you read down further and you find out that it's like it's free to play. So yeah, you know, they're playing on a different field. The field is kind of tilted in in one direction because people aren't technically paying for a lot of those games, but. The other part of this story, though, and the, really the, the reason that it's in GameFace today, is how Razer has handled kind of the the turnover from Ouya, and so Ouya own, owed a ton of money to indie developers because when it launched, it had set up this program, saying, you know, you make games for us, we'll reward you, blah blah blah. It never paid out those. Developers that I believe they owe them like six hundred thousand dollars or something like that all told across like mm-hmm. all of them and uh, Initially Razer was like we're not gonna pay them. You know, we're not paying this money. We did not take on the debt of Oya's debt because maybe it's part of what you mentioned how the deal isn't like oh, well, we're really buying Oya We're buying the service that they have or blah blah blah, so they say that we're not paying these these developers, and then there was a huge uproar, and then I think day before yesterday, or maybe even yesterday, Razer finally said, oh, "Okay, we're going to pay it." So yeah. not exactly getting off on the right foot, right?
1: Yeah, but it is, you know, like it, it does sound like something that they they kind of did is is a good faith or a PR type of move because they don't have because of the way that they they bought the the Ouya name and, and those services, they don't have to. They don't have any legal obligation to. Uphold that stuff is that that's, true that's well that's so they're doing cool. a
0: six hundred thousand dollar favor
1: <laughs> more but it's weird because it's like i think they were saying something like those games like they would have to offer like that amount of games for free or something like that it's 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 interesting because people will not sell those games on that platform but then you know i guess you know in the long run it all kind of works out it's just uh yeah it, it's a really weird weird situation because it's not as straightforward as it, as it sounds so it's
0: what's it, we are going to do so they still own the
1: platform and the name well it sounds like she like the the head of the company is is just going to move she on. already left yeah. yeah
0: she left like the day that it was all announced she was out of there so, she was the face of that console too by the way as so you're probably seeing by point. all the b-roll that we've run for this <laughs> like she's in all of it so once she leaves that's probably the death knell
1: right yeah, at this point, I, I, I can't imagine Yeah, that whatever's left of that company has just got to get folded up somehow. Yeah. It's just done.
0: Are we going to miss it, Bloodworth?
1: No, I is didn't. Is anyone going to miss I didn't, it? I didn't, I didn't really. Well, Towerfall, was it, was it? And that came to PS4. Yeah, yeah, That the, was like
0: the big one. And now it's, it's coming everywhere else. So there's really no reason for that hardware to exist. And I mean, just going back to the whole, you know, it was one of the first big Kickstarter stories. And it is kind of funny now that we're seeing like we're a couple years into Kickstarter, and we're starting to see the the bumps and the warts a little bit with Kickstarter now. We're, you know, with the Red Ash Kickstarter not going the way it was supposed to, and starting to see some of these developers coming back to the well for a second time, and not going as well as it did maybe the first time. Uh, definitely starting to see some kinks in the chain for Kickstarter at this point. And as far as Ouya is concerned... It's going to go probably right down with the Phantom. as one of those consoles that was just a complete, unmitigated disaster from the beginning. And I think it's going to go down as like a, a warning sign for people with Kickstarter. You know, I hope mm-hmm. that it will cause people to maybe investigate a little more closely before they give to some of these Kickstarters. Because I feel like a lot of people are just, that sounds like a great idea, and they're just blindly throwing their money out yeah. into the
1: ether. Well, I think there's just like too much faith in it, right? Like, it... It had its, its measure of success, and, and Razer has seen that, and they want to like pull what they can out of it, but it wasn't going to change console gaming in any way, just because yeah. people could just like put anything they want on the platform immediately.
0: I think the perception of Kickstarter has changed a lot, too. I feel like when it first launched, people got it, and it was like, okay, I'm giving this money to someone in hopes that something might happen. Yeah, And actually, if you look at a lot of those early Kickstarters, that's kind of what happened. Something kind of happened. But now I feel like people have kind of switched gears and they've almost become entitled with Kickstarter. And mm. when they, they pledge money now to these projects, they don't look at it like maybe something will come out of this, maybe it won't. Now they're like, oh, something better come out of this. And yeah. it better come to the console that I want it on. I mean, you know, do you think Kickstarter can continue to operate with that shift in perspective? Or do you think people are going to have to start remembering what it was originally founded for?
1: I, th- I mean, I think people need to start remembering what, yeah. You know, it's like you're, you're investing in a, a, in a creative hope, In a hope and a dream, yeah. that <laughs> may go south, you know? And, and that's, you know, that's one of the problems when, you know, you're dealing with the creative industry and we'll probably get to this in some of the other topics. But, uh, you know, you start off with a plan. If that plan goes through, like, from beginning to end and with no hitches, You might actually be doing it wrong. Yeah, you're right. (laughs) I mean, I can say that just with sifting, you know. You might not be very ambitious.
0: Yeah, I mean, even with like the website, you know, we just launched like a month or two ago. And you know, when you first start working on a project, you have this vision of how everything's going to work. You have this plan of how everything's going to work. And then almost immediately, it never goes exactly how you want it to. And I think a lot of times, the companies that succeed or fail, the company that succeeds is the one that recognizes things aren't going the way that it was originally planned and pivots and figures out a way to work around it. And I think the companies that are steadfast and try to follow that plan from the beginning all the way to the end are generally the ones who don't succeed. So, you know, with Kickstarter, I think it may be a reverse case, though, where people need to remember what it was originally intended for and maybe go back to it. Maybe they won't end up so disappointed when things don't work out the way that they're supposed to. I think that's probably a safe way to look at it anyway. We'll see. There'll probably be another OUYA before it's all said and done, (laughs) and we'll probably repeat the whole cycle all over again, so... All right, so probably the biggest story this week, at least as far as stuff that we're doing as gamers, was the launch of Windows 10. And so Windows 10, you're like, oh, you know, maybe it makes PC gaming better. And look, it does. If you look at a lot of the benchmark tests, people are getting higher frame rates on uh, Windows 10. They're getting better performance across the board, not just in games, but just in their, the apps that they use and the programs that they use. So Windows 10 has definitely been a boom for PC, but Bloodworth, the big deal as far as consoles are concerned is, this, is that Windows 10 has opened up a lot of functionality for Xbox One. And obviously the big one that everyone's talking about is being able to stream games to your PC from Xbox One. Daniel, do you ever see yourself doing that? Well, actually, let's start first with: Have you updated to Windows Ten? I no, have not. No,
1: I'm I'm too skeptical. Me too. <laughs> I'm too skeptical. Like, I'll give it six months. I've got a year to do it for free, right? I mean, let's see.
0: I'm right there with <laughs> you, man. I have not upgraded. Like I am petrified that it's just gonna like wipe out all. My, I'm not so worried about my files. Like I've already backed up all my files and everything. But like programs, like I have lots of old programs on my PC that like I may not be able to mm. get again, and I'm afraid that they'll just get wiped out. and I won't be able to get them, or like drivers and things like that for certain things. Like I'm just paranoid that things are gonna get wiped out. So neither of us have upgraded. So we should put that out there right now for the sake of this conversation so people know that we have not actually messed with it ourselves. Neither have I. And Matt for the same reason. and Matt also says he hasn't done it either. So It sounds like we're all in the same boat. Maybe no one's tried this yet.
2: All you other canaries can come out of the mine first. That's what I'm saying.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So the big feature, at least that's been marketed to people like us, is be able to stream Xbox One to the PC. But when you do upgrade to Windows 10, do you ever see yourself doing this?
1: Um... Can you think of a
0: reason why you would?
1: Well, I mean, you would do it because somebody wants to use the TV, right? Like in in my setup, there's no other reason because like my TV's here and my PC's there, so it's why. But um, but yeah, but it but in that case, in that sense, it's like well, it didn't do the Wii U any favors. No, it sure didn't. It sure didn't.
0: And remote play with the Vita and PlayStation Four has not turned out to be a huge feature. Yeah, I mean,
1: I know people that love it and use it a lot, but it's not not selling Vita. Yeah, really.
0: I think I've used it like a handful of times. Like, I tried it when it first launched, and it didn't work hardly at all. And then, like, every few months I check in on it and, like, see if, like, they've made it better. And they have, I will say. Like, it has gotten better since the launch of the PlayStation 4. But I still feel like there's really only a couple genres where I would feel comfortable... Because, look, I don't play a lot of games where I don't need to get through the game. Like, where I just play them for fun or whatever. Where, you know, latency or skipping wouldn't be an issue. And uh, so to me, like, strategy games, like turn-based games would work okay. Puzzle games would work okay. Anything with low action, I feel like, would work all right. But shooters, driving games, platformers, where you have to be... Pre- anything where you need precision and you're worried about, like, actually losing... For any Maybe a better way to put it is... Any game that I play where I put my TV on the game setting to cut down on the latency is a game that I would never play on remote play and probably a game that I wouldn't play with this streaming service either.
1: Yeah. Uh, Yeah, I mean, it'd be interesting to see, like, how much latency there is, but you'd expect there would have to be something there, some little...
0: I don't know how it would be possible. I mean, I think, you know, probably, if you have better Ethernet, if you have gigabit Ethernet maybe going through your house, I'm sure that might help but on why i mean a lot of people use wi-fi in their homes like how how functional is this really and look they're making a big deal about it like they put out like two trailers just for this Mm -hmm. major nelson's weekly show yesterday he talked about it for like half of the episode like they're blowing this out like this is a big deal and this is the other part i want to get to on, on this topic is other news that came out this week is that the playstation 4 is just completely destroying everyone else like
3: yeah
0: i think one of the stories i saw is like if you combined everybody else together the playstation 4 is still doing like five times better than everyone else combined or something like that right now like the numbers are just like astronomical and, I, and it's almost got to this tipping point where xbox really doesn't have much of a chance so you start looking at initiatives like this like this windows 10 like game streaming thing and they've also mentioned something that I think they should have done from the beginning, which is the reverse, which is streaming it the other way, streaming your PC to your TV. Now, that, to me, is what they should have done first. Like, I would use that because being able to sit on my couch and play PC games without having to bring my rig out into the living room or run all kinds of crazy wire, that, to me, is far more functional to me. So anyway, they're causing, they have all these initiatives that they're working on, all the stuff that they're really marketing heavily, but is any of it going to be enough to put them in a good place. And we'll talk about Gamescom in a minute. And one thing I will say is that Xbox kind of has Gamescom to itself. Um, It's going to show some games that haven't been shown really for a while. And Sony has no press conference at Gamescom for the first time ever since the show started. So they do have kind of this window here. Do you think that that this is kind of their last chance to kind of make some headway?
1: Um, I don't see the Windows 10 features really doing that. I mean, it's it's a benefit if you have an Xbox, but it, I, I don't... But you need an Xbox I don't see, and a PC. <laughs> I don't see the person that's jumping on early adopter PC player, you know, yeah. getting Windows 10 right now, saying, like, I gotta buy an Xbox? Yeah, yeah. That's not that guy. <laughs> just, <laughs> he's got Windows 10 on a partition, and he's got a beefy rig, you know, and, I, yeah, it's, it's just kind of a it's, it's a... it's a nice way for them to, like, start Putting everything together, you know, and, and start. Because you know, that leads
0: eventually I mean, to the cross platform play. They've never really
1: taken advantage of PC the way they need to. They haven't. And, yeah. and that's why we're all skeptical because games for Windows Live, okay, there is a disaster. A disaster, yeah. <laughs> uh, but you know, it, it's just really funny that, you know, Microsoft has these franchises like Halo, like Forza. They would do killer numbers on the PC, they but do, they yeah. want to protect Xbox so they won't do it.
0: Yeah, and so this kind of blurs the line, right? It's like now Xbox One software library kinda of is on the PC, really.
1: Right. <laughs> but is, but again, that's not gonna satisfy a PC gamer. They're gonna look at that compared to their PC games and the resolutions and frame rates and everything and they're like, eh, okay. Again, a lot of it depends yeah. on how
0: it performs.
1: Yeah. But I mean even, even if it performed perfectly you know, you're comparing Xbox game to somebody that has a $1,500 computer. Right, right, yeah. Well, then you
0: you talk about backwards compatibility, which was probably the biggest story coming out of E3 for Xbox. And, you know, they said that the week of E3, Xbox One was the best-selling console. But look, when Microsoft is getting to the point where they're saying, well, that one week, we did pretty good. (laughs) That's another sign that things aren't going so well. So backwards compatibility, that built a little bit of momentum. Now they have this crossover with Windows 10. They're saying, you know, once they move up to DirectX on Xbox One, it could improve the performance of Xbox One games a little bit, give it a little bit of a boost, maybe help it compete visually with the PlayStation 4 a little better, create a little more parody. Do you see any of this giving Microsoft a shot at getting back into this?
1: Uh, yeah, I, I Even don't the cumulative effect these, of it all? Yeah, I don't feel like these periphery features are, are really gonna do that much. I, I think it's gonna, yeah, it's really gonna come down to to those games, you know, like, when Halo comes out, that'll be a huge deal, you know? Because
0: that's the thing, too, is, I mean, if you look at, and we've said this on Game Face before, but if you really look at the software lineups of the two platforms, like, it's kind of hard to argue that the PlayStation 4 has the better software lineup. I mean, granted, all the third-party stuff looks and runs better on PlayStation 4, and a lot of PlayStation fans generally get their consoles for the third-party stuff, but, I mean, if you look at, you go head-to-head with the first-party lineup of these two machines, like, I think most objective people would say it's not even really close. Like, Microsoft has done a lot better. And if you look at E3, like the games that are coming, again, Microsoft is kind of carrying that race a little bit. I mean, you know, Microsoft has so many first-party exclusives coming that it was able to split them up and show some of them at E3 and then hold some of them for Gamescom. And you look at Sony and it's like, it didn't really have many at E3. Well, it did, but they're games that are way off (laughs) in the distance. And there aren't really a lot of big games that they're showing at Gamescom as evidenced by the fact that it's not even doing a press conference. And I, you know, I wonder if Sony's not doing the press conference because it would be kind of like rubbing salt in the wound. Uh-huh. I mean, what would they show? Because they just did E3, and look, everyone was all gaga over the PlayStation press conference right after E3. But then, you know, it kind of settled down a little bit afterwards because people started looking at these games and they're like, yeah, I mean, a lot of this stuff isn't coming out for a long time. And so... For Sony to come and show those same trailers again for these games that people have now figured out aren't coming probably even next year, a lot of them. You know, why is the PlayStation 4 not just... Look, I can understand why it might be doing a little better, but, I mean, it is just straight-up dominating at this point.
1: Yeah, I think it's it's one of those things where it comes down to to momentum, in a way. uh,
0: It's a snowball rolling downhill. Yeah, because,
1: you know, once a certain platform be, kind of becomes entrenched as a, a standard you know the developers look at it as a standard and they want you know everyone to the reviewers and everyone to play on ps4 and then one thing i will say is and, like every
0: uh, game from japan yeah all it's playstation 4 vita that's it
1: like yeah well and that's the same because there's no like you know microsoft's pulling out a tgs and so there's there's no market for them in japan i think there's somebody was saying like a couple weeks ago like PS4, sold 15,000 in a week, and, and Xbox One, it sold like 100.
0: And it sold like a little over 100. Not 100,000, 100. 100, 100, <laughs> 100, 100, 100. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Asia's over for Xbox One already. Like, you know, pulling out of TGS, I think, is them saying, almost admitting defeat. But they say they're not pulling out of the territory. They're going to keep selling the console there. are going to keep their offices in Japan going. Um, but yeah, so I think we're both in agreement here that Windows, this whole Windows 10 thing probably... One, I don't think it's going to get Xbox One games to parity with PlayStation 4 games for third party games. First party games look pretty good on Xbox One. I think they're mm-hmm. doing a pretty good job getting a lot out of that machine. Third party stuff, I don't think that this is going to get them there. And two, we don't think it's going to give them much momentum to. And in fact, I think both of us are in agreement that there's not a whole hell of a lot that Microsoft can do at this point.
1: Yeah, it, it, it's weird. It, you, you, it would take a lot, you know, and as you're saying, like the, the first party games, it's they they're hitting to certain people but then still like not everyone is that's that excited about it to run out and get a console so it's like they have to be those those mega hits
0: yeah. And, I mean, even looking at their lineup, I don't know that I see a ton of those other than the known quantities like the Halo 5s and games like that and the Gears 4. And, you know, I don't know that a game like ReCore is really going to alter the trajectory of the console wars. Like, right. Just,
1: I'm very curious about that game, though. Yeah, I mean,
0: to, to us, the game looks awesome. <laughs> but is that a game that can turn the tide with the people who could really be the tipping point for this whole thing? Like, I highly doubt it. Yeah. And even games like Scalebound, which we'll talk about in a little bit and stuff like like. They've got a tough road to toe, I guess, is the best way we could put it. But, if you keep in mind, Sony did kind of have a late comeback with the PlayStation 3 last gen. Yeah. Like, it didn't take its foot off the gas, and as time went on, it started closing that gap a little bit. So, maybe we'll see if Microsoft can do that as well. All right. So, another... I don't even know if this was... A, this wasn't really an announcement. This was kind of... This was a non-announcement. Yeah. <laughs> this, uh, yeah, I guess maybe that's what it is. A non-announcement. So, Nintendo had its financial results this week, announced its quarterly financial results actually kind of encouraging for Nintendo. It did manage to turn a profit, and I will say it was kind of great to see Nintendo with, in the last quarter, with wada at the helm, turn a decent profit. Um, they sent him off in about as much style as they can at this point with the way the Wii U is performing. But buried in their financial report was a release schedule for the next 12 months, which would include pretty much all of 2016. And the one game that was suspiciously missing from that list was the Legend of Zelda for Wii U, Bloodworth? What's going on with
1: this game, man? Um, well, it's just listed as TBA, right? And yeah. It, and uh, and
0: keeping uh, in mind that some other like games that were kind of TBA, like Project Guard and things like that, were kind of given like definitive dates in there. So, what do you what do you think's going on? Do you think this is a big dust up over nothing? Or I do actually. You I, do? I I think
1: that this is a complete not a story. It's I I. I think what happened is this game was on a trajectory, they're Mm -hmm. very confident in saying it was going to come out this year, Yeah. and then whether it's going to NX or some other thing happened to development, you know, they took it back to the drawing board in a way, and okay, now we're not going to tell you when it's going to come out until we know when it's going to come out, so...
0: But look, Nintendo's done a lot of double talking over the last couple months, because... You know, everyone asked them, why wasn't Zelda shown at E3, and why weren't, and then Reggie gave this, like, boilerplate excuse of, oh, well, we only show games that are just coming out.
3: Yeah, that's dumb.
0: And then you look, it was so <laughs> dumb, because you look back, and like, Xenoblade Chronicles had been at E3 for like three years. Yoshi's Woolly World had been at E3 for like three years. Like, it was total hogwash, what he said. And so, you know, one, I don't think we can take anything Nintendo says as truth, because, you know, a lot of times they're just trying to do damage control. But, number two, if this game was really supposed to come out this year, it had to be pretty close to being done. So, say what they are saying is true, and they're like, oh, we want to take this back to the drawing board a little bit and retweak it or whatever. So, that, you know, that's something that delays a game, like, six months. Like, look, we remember all the delays for prior Zelda Every Zelda game has been delayed that I can remember, at least since the N64 era. And... You know, look back even at Ocarina of Time. Like, they kind of said the same thing. Like, oh, we came up with another idea. We wanted to do blah, blah, blah. And then it came out, like, six months later than it was supposed to. So here we are with The Legend of Zelda of Wii, for Wii U. And a game that was supposed to come out this year, which honestly was, like, worst-case scenario. Because here we are, like, basically in the third year of the Wii U's life cycle. We never dreamed we'd be waiting this long to get a Zelda game. But here we yeah. are. And now we're going to look at year four, for a platform that pretty much is dead already, like, you know, it's, it's turning around a little bit, but they just hit 10 million consoles sold. It's pretty much destined to be the worst-selling Nintendo console ever, other than if you want to count the Virtual Boy as a console. I don't know. To me, it, it, there's something fishy going on here, Bloodworth. <laughs> like, I, you
1: know... Well, I mean, this feels very much very much like what happened with Twilight Princess because it was supposed to come out a lot earlier. We saw that game at a lot of E3s.
0: Right, and see, they said that they were reworking that game then, but what they were really doing was prepping it for what became the Wii. And so, they did that dual release of GameCube and Wii for that game.
1: And And you you had to be like a hunter to find the GameCube version. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, they
0: basically just... Swept. In fact, that game's probably worth a ton of money at this point, I'm <laughs> guessing, if you have like an unopened copy of it laying around or whatever. But, I mean, is that what's happening here, Bloodworth? Like, they're just really delaying this game so that they can release it with the NX.
1: Yeah, I mean, well, but it's, that's the thing, too, is, I mean, not knowing anything about the NX, you know, like, if you look at what it took to convert Twilight Princess to the Wii, if there's something similar like that with the NX, even if it's higher horsepower... You know, if you're doing a huge open world game, you can do so much more. See, here's the thing about uh, that. The
2: Wii
0: had the same architecture, basically, as the GameCube and the same power. A little more juice, but not much.
1: But you had to work motion controls into everything.
0: Yeah, which I actually loved. I I, I was glad I ended up playing the Wii version of that game. But here, you know, is this also a harbinger of what we're going to see with the NX? Is the NX going to be similar to power to the Wii U the way the Wii was to the GameCube? Um, I mean, that would mean
1: like. But I mean, if how it, many but that's generations- why that's why it would maybe justify it being so retooled because like no, this can do so much more that like we're going to make this game you know significantly different than it is right now, and maybe you know. And can- does that mean it doesn't come out for the Wii U at all then? Because I, I are you going to have... I think that's a possible scenario. I actually do. See, that's
0: why this is a story, Bloodworth. <laughs> if you start digging into this, you start but I mean, realizing stuff. Like, but I
1: think the thing is, is like this has been the case the whole time. It's just like, the, the financial report is just like, oh, they put another two words out, Zelda, TBA.
0: <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I, honestly, I don't know for sure if they put on, went on the record saying it was coming out next year, but I kind of seem to think that they at least insinuated that we would be playing this game next year, like worst case scenario. And now it's like, well, it seems like the release of this game is hinging on something else. And that's why it's listed as TBA. And what it's hinging on is whether the NX comes out next year. Mm -hmm. And what would you say the odds are of that? NX coming out next year.
1: I'd say that's pretty slim. You think it's slim? I mean, I guess it could happen, but it feels like they would spend a little bit more time to prep for that.
0: Yeah, we were talking about this on another episode, and I think we had kind of come to the agreement that Q4 of next year would be best case scenario, mm-hmm. and but more likely like spring of 2017.
1: And one thing, like I hope that they would have learned from the Wii U and not put out a system that doesn't have its menus put together. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was such a weird rollout. <laughs> They've while. learned a
0: lot from the Wii U. Yeah. I mean, this is really their first... The first time Nintendo has really tried to create and maintain a modern console with a social network and like online that actually works, and yeah, and they
1: just updated Miiverse this past yeah. week. Yeah, you know, they are definitely still investing in all of that.
0: And they've done a great job with DLC. This is the first time they've really done that. Like you know, they learned a lot on the Wii U that they can apply to the NX and whatever it ends up ultimately becoming. But I I think there is a story here with this, and I think it could mean that one we may never see Zelda for the Wii U, and two they're definitely retooling this game for the NX that hopefully is more powerful hardware than the Wii U. I don't want to go through that again, where they, like, <laughs> stick to the same hardware for basically 10 years like they did with the GameCube
1: and the Wii. So. Yeah. Well, we at least know uh, that Dragon Quest IX is most likely on there. Is it? Well, I mean, they backpedaled, but I think there was just somebody speaking too soon kind of thing, you know?
0: Yeah, I mean, we'll get to Dragon Quest in a little bit. That's one of our other topics. But for now, I'm going to talk about something really awesome and exciting... For me, personally, at least, because Resident Evil 2, in my opinion, is the very best of the tank control Resident Evil games. And just this week, Capcom went on his Facebook page and asked fans to tell them whether or not they would be excited over a Resident Evil 2 remake. I do admit that I did not go on the Facebook page I was afraid somebody would see me on there and be like, Oh, Shane shouldn't be doing that. But uh, So the fans went. It went well, obviously, because everybody loves Resident Evil 2, as they should. And uh, apparently the next day they had a meeting in Japan to start talking about this. So, assuming it's going to happen, and I will assume that it's going to happen, because it, it makes too much sense. Yeah. Bloodworth, what would you like to see change for the <laughs> remake of this? Because this is Hallow ground here. This is Resident Evil 2. Widely considered, not just by me, but by a lot of people to be the best of the tank-controlled Resident Evils. What would you like to see change? Do you want to see the tank controls come back?
1: Uh, no, I'm not a fan of tank controls. Cause, I actually, cause cause, I actually haven't like personally put time into Resident Evil Two because you've never I, played it. I started on on the GameCube one.
0: Ah, uh, I got you.
1: And so that one, I you know, it, it was the C type where you just yeah. like you hold the button to walk forward and then yeah, you just kind yeah. of steer your character. Um, but yeah, that's obviously like them seeing the, the success of Resident Evil HD. You know, I, I think that at this point for Capcom, it's, it's a safer bet to go with what was great in the past than to try to make a new Resident Evil. You may
0: be right, actually, <laughs> on that. Although they, they have a trademark for any Resident Evil. Yeah. Umbrella Corpse or whatever has been unveiled this week, and maybe that is the next Resident Evil. Maybe they're not going to go with new, a numeral this time. But anyway, going back to Resident Evil 2 and the tank controls, like, a lot of people want the tank controls to come back. Like, they don't want to go to that over-the-shoulder view. I am with you 100%, Daniel. Like, ditch the tank controls. Ditch them. But the other thing I want to say about this is that we—I have railed on the remakes and remasters thing many times on this show, and I think generally it's a terrible practice that keeps creativity and new IPs from coming to light. Dishonored comes out next
1: month. I don't think there's any footage. Yeah, there is. So isn't. far, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right.
0: There's none. But this is one game where it makes perfect sense, and I'm completely on board for this remake. Like. Because this, I mean, look at the footage that we're showing. This game, you know, a lot of the games that are being remade, like Dishonored, it's like, you know what, Dishonored still looks really good, like, and it still plays great, but you have this old Resident Evil 2, look at the FMV in this, it's like, you could do better than this in real time now.
1: Oh, yeah, for sure.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Oh,
0: I know, imagine if this is what, like, the in-engine graphics looked like for the remake, it would get, yeah, get laughed out of the building, like Matt said, like, Things have come so far, so far in the amount of time since... It, so, to me, first of all, great thing that this is on plate for a remake. And number two, you haven't played it. There's a lot of people who have never played this game, and I've got to tell you, it is an incredible game from beginning to end.
1: Yeah. And well, you've got the A-type and B-type and all that stuff, yep. right? Yeah. It,
0: well, the other thing about it, too, is that it tells, like, two separate stories. And so one thing that I would suggest for the remake is somehow have a co-op element where you can play the one campaign while I'm playing the other campaign and then at certain points the campaigns like link up and then we would get together for like co-op sections of the game where we would play those games together and then eventually we split off, go our own ways again, go back, finish those separate parts of the campaign where we play single player and then get bridged back together again at another part and then again separate and then maybe come back at the end for like the final boss fight where we team up to play at the end of the game or whatever. Like, with the technology that's available now and, the, and all the things that people are doing with games, like, there is a lot of possibilities for this game that could make it absolutely incredible. Do I think they'll do this and put that much effort into a remake? I would say that's probably about a 30% chance of that. But But I think they could do something really, really special with this. And honestly, like... If they really put the effort into remastering Resident Evil two, I would be okay if they skipped like the next numbered Resident Evil. Like if they right. didn't do seven for another like two years to make this project something really good. So
1: Well, I mean they would they would have to because you know, they'd have to put a lot of effort into it because, you know, Resident Evil H D, it's it's sort of easy in a way. I mean, I know it's not entirely easy, but like but they did all of those assets and everything on the GameCube. Right. And now they just have to kind of like work up from there. But you can't do that with the PlayStation.
0: (laughs) No, no, you can't. You (laughs) You have to to rebuild everything. You have to do
1: everything like they did with with the GameCube remake. And And, you know, they had Nintendo
0: lining their pockets a little bit for that as well, funding some of the development for it. They'd have to do that all on their own. Yeah, I mean, it's not going to be a small undertaking. Like, the game's been released for the PC, but it's basically the same exact game that was released on the other platforms. They didn't really do any work on it or upgrade the character models or anything. It's just everything looks clearer. And actually, in some ways, it was a detriment. Because, like, the PlayStation was funny, the original PlayStation. Like, a lot of developers played on the fact that things looked blurry. And then when you see those textures, like, crystal clear, man, it's not its not a good thing. And then I think another thing, too, that I wanted to ask you about is pre-rendered backgrounds. Obviously, this game was made with pre-rendered backgrounds. And so do you feel like that should be something that came back? Because, you know, when they did the remake for the GameCube, they brought back the pre-rendered backgrounds. And it looks stunning. Yeah. And really convincing. But do you feel like they should model this world? Because if they do that, there's so much more work that comes into play.
1: Yeah. Well, I I think you know, I I think that actually worked out and it's benefit because the character models look so great and then the whole yeah. world looks so great. It just I was actually surprised with HD how well it held up, you know. Once, Me too. Yeah. Once they they pulled that up in HD cuz I figured like, yeah, those were SD assets, it's not going to work out and it did. It did. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think if they could pull it off, I think pre-rendered would be the way to go.
2: I think they should ditch the pre-rendered compl- I I think it feels sterile to me. Well,
0: have you guys looked at the remaster for Resident Evil Zero? Maybe that's a good template of what we should expect for Resident Evil Two, which I would actually be really disappointed in because I think the remaster of Resident Evil Zero looks okay, hmm. but it's not going to set the world on fire. And look, that yeah, Resident probably... Evil
2: Two is a much better game, right? Resident <laughs> Evil
0: Zero is the worst of the tank-controlled Resident Evils, in yeah. my opinion.
2: So. Yeah, I mean, when well, maybe... I'm like, I'm like watching the footage here, and like when like the shopkeeper goes like pulls out, like the dialogue's playing in my head. Like, yeah. this, <laughs> uh, I mean, we must have played this about the same amount because I thought I'm not a big fan of the tank control era Resident Evils, but this Resident Evil Two is great. It and,
0: is. Oh, it's amazing, man! And like, it's
2: also super relevant to people who started with four.
0: It is. It, yeah, you know, it's
2: Leon's introduction. Leon and... It sets him up and Ada and all that stuff. So I think there's a an audience for it that's never played it before in addition this,
0: you're so, right this does kind of show the origins of like the whole yeah. leon ada relationship and, and so, it's a more
2: interesting origin than the original mansion game I you're think. right because it yeah. expands it out and it shows you the whole city and it really digs into like what's happening yeah this was really like this for all intents and purposes this
0: day. was like the first resident evil because this is the first game that really set the stage for everything that ended up happening in all the sequels like the mansion has almost become this thing that like is fan service now when it's mentioned in a Resident Evil game. It's like this thing that you're like, "Oh, they talked about the mansion great." Or if they do like a little callback, if you find like a file or something and right. they talk, there's this mysterious mansion, you're like, "Ooh, the mansion." Like but it hasn't really become a part of the canon the way the stuff in this game has. So to me, they need to handle this with care because, you know, so many people like you haven't played the game and like it's so flipping awesome. Like if they do this could become like the best selling game of whatever year it's released if they I'm not kidding if they do it right and you know I hope that they don't just do a quick and sloppy port of this I love this game way too
2: much for them to do that so but it's modern Capcom so you have to kind of worry yeah, a little bit. you do have to worry a little bit. Like, they're all over the place. It's well, and spotty. then the thing,
1: too, is, you know, like, how they're going to handle voice acting and that kind of thing. Because
0: they need to fix that. <laughs> Let me tell you, that is one of the, the the weakest point of Resident Evil 2, is the voice act. Like, yeah. the first but one. The
2: main people, you know, the, the main people are, are quality. I mean, Leon's pretty good, uh, Claire is Allison Court, who did uh, Jubilee in the '90s X-Men uh, yeah. cartoon, and like, but like, then you get like the shopkeeper. It's just like, yeah. who are you? Yeah. What do you want? Yeah. Kind of, You're know, <laughs> just like, well. Yeah, you gotta step it up. You also spending.
0: wonder about the quality of those recordings at this point, like if they could. You no, know, even... I figure you gotta re-record the. whole yeah, yeah, they would re-record
1: them and rewrite a lot of it. I would think too. Right.
0: So, can you bring back the original voice actors? Like some of them. I maybe. think they're still out.
2: You know, Allison Court still works. Sure. So yeah, she does. I don't know. Yeah. I don't remember the name of the guy who did Leon. Yeah. Is, is it? It's not the same guy from four, is it?
0: I don't think so. I think they, yeah. they switched. And you know, in that case, they could use the guy who they've been using for Leon for the last couple
1: games as well. But. And I, think... I just think it's, like, yeah, you, you've got you've to hit that right balance of, like, keeping the campy uh... vibe, but without it sounding stupid, you know? <laughs> yeah. Because it's, like... Like, this guy, this guy's scene is amazing. Oh,
0: it really yeah. is.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, the bit players in this game, they definitely did not uh, spend a lot of time on the voiceover stuff for it. Or even on the writing, really. Like, they probably need to rewrite a lot of the stuff in it, and... There's some implausible stuff in here, but just overall as far as just like a good quality playthrough with equal parts of scares and excitement and action and story and all that, like
1: Is there do you think there's anything in here that might uh benefit from like how they expanded the first Resident Evil, like when they had that whole section in the back of the house? Oh definitely. These, yeah. Tons. Oh, you got a whole city.
0: Tons of stuff. Yo yeah. I mean the, this game was actually pretty limited in its scope and it kept you on a pretty even path. There wasn't a whole lot of side side roads to take off on this game other than the fact that you kind of had the other campaign built into it but yeah i mean there's a lot of opportunity for them to expand and even bringing like new enemies like the crimson heads for the remake that they brought in like they could certainly do that obviously the technology at the time limited the amount of enemy types that they could have in the game so they could certainly expand that just seeing these creatures in hd with brand new models is going to be flipping awesome so I am so pumped for this. I'll be so mad if they don't give this the green light. So, everybody, go to Capcom's Facebook page and beg and tell them. Be like, Shane Wallace is so bad. I'm here for him. Like, literally. If you haven't played it yet, just trust me on this one. You're gonna want to play it. It's an awesome game. You're gonna be so happy that you went and made that comment on Capcom's Facebook page. So go tell do them it.
2: Sifted sent you. That's
0: right. But wait till the show's over to go do it. So. Anyway. All right, so here's the dirtiest topic of the week. Um, So there's been this big dust-up between Konami and Kojima, and so this week, basically what happened was they had removed his name from all the packaging for Metal Gear Solid V The Phantom Pain. Wasn't a huge surprise, pretty dirty move. The thing is, is that most people have been on Kojima's side through this whole thing, and we really didn't know anything that was going on. We're just like, oh, they're taking his name off, and they're closing his studio, and that seems really dastardly. But what happened this week is that someone who had worked on a lot of the Metal Gear games prior, a voice actress for Metal Gear games, came out and basically spilled the beans on what's really been going on between Konami and Kojima, and as it turns out, the big issue that Konami has with the whole situation is that Kojima has been getting paid on a salary all this time. He isn't getting paid, and look, developers get a salary, that's typical, but usually where they make most of their money is in the bonuses after the game sells. If the game sells well, you know they get these big bonuses, and look, a lot of developers get rich off of these bonuses. And it also it incentivizes the developers to do a good job, because If your pay, a big chunk of your pay, is dependent upon the quality of your game, well then, you're going to make sure the quality of that game is as high as possible. Kojima has been working in an opposite way. He's been a salaried man the whole time, working on all these Metal Gear games. He's never got bonuses for his games. So what that does is, he has zero incentive to, one, finish a game on time, because he actually is incentivized to take as long as possible working on a game because he gets paid based upon the amount of time he works. And the other thing that that it changes when you you look at that is it gives him no incentive to stay on budget because he doesn't care. Again, it doesn't matter how long it takes or how much money he spends on development if he's going to get paid the same no matter what. So Bloodworth, knowing this, does it change your perspective on Kojima at all? Do you still view him the same? Or, you know, and another thing we should probably mention here is that, look, he hasn't exactly gone out in the public and said, poor me, or right. he hasn't yet.
1: Yeah, and I, and I honestly, like, I don't even know if Konami are the ones responsible for his name getting pulled off all of right. that. It or could if be always, him. Yeah, it's like. Yeah, my question on that, and I don't know if anyone's looked into this,
2: but like is is it possible that like his contract basically might say like you can't use my name if i don't work for you so they were right. just following what the, that would say you know maybe they're just that was the agreement and it happens to look from an outsider like us we see that and we're like oh my god they're erasing kojima but maybe they were just doing what they thought they had to by the contract. I mean, I have no look. We don't know a lot
0: that. about this story, but we didn't know anything until this woman spoke up and said, "Hey, hey, hey! Wait a minute!
2: Like, yeah. you know, everybody's yeah. kind of jumping on Konami." And and she didn't like she's. It's been a few years since she's worked with that with him. Though
0: that's the other thing I wanted to mention too is that she doesn't work with Kojima anymore. So there may there could be some animosity there where she's like, "Oh, he doesn't have me on the project anymore." So you know, just in for full disclosure, we should mention that, that she is not working on the projects anymore. But she did work with him for a long time before that. So, But there might be a little animosity there, so take her statements with a grain of salt. But, so, back to my question. Does it change how you view Kojima at all?
1: Uh, I mean, it doesn't really because it all sort of feels like it lines up with, like, the way he is as a creator. Yeah. You know, she was saying uh, that, uh, you know, he had commissioned, like, you know, her to do 30 or 40 different songs that, like, never actually got used because, you know, once he got to whatever he wanted in the final game, they didn't fit anymore, and, and that kind of thing. But isn't that
0: kind of being reckless with someone else's money?
1: Well, yeah, I mean, it, it definitely it definitely is, and I think that's where this whole tension comes from, is Kojima wants to make the game that he wants to make and be perfect and essentially operate as if he has a blank check because it's Konami's biggest moneymaker, and Konami's right. just there and over there and like... Uh, we don't have the money to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Are well, especially now they don't have yeah. the money.
2: Like, are the Metal Gear games, do they sell enough to warrant that kind of behavior? Like, I, don't I honestly think... don't think that they do. I wouldn't think so.
0: Yeah, I mean, they sell well. I'm sure they make their money back and a little bit of a profit, but when you start thinking about all the hand-wringing and the sweating that's going on, if you're Konami corporate, right. throughout the development cycle for these games, I mean, look, this game has been delayed out the yin yang I mean it comes out a month from today by the way which I was shocked by and actually your games of the month (laughs) feature reminded me of that right at the end it's like don't forget September 1st is Metal Gear but you know if you're Konami and look they are not doing well and we've talked about that again on this show over and over again about how terrible they're doing and how they're treating their old properties and they don't make proper games anymore. And there was that whole thing where people thought they said that they weren't going to make real games anymore, and
2: then they had to come out and say that they looked at all kinds of. We're making a porny Castlevania Pachinko game. Yeah, when you want <laughs> erotic violence. Yeah,
0: there's been all kinds of weird stuff coming out of the Konami camp of late. But you know, to answer the question I asked you, it has changed how I at I look at Kojima, and it's not that I look at him negatively, but I thought he was a good boss, I guess is the best way to put it. Like, I thought that he was managing his team well. I thought that, honestly, he was kind of running Konami. I mean, look, the engine that they built is the engine they're using now in Pro Evolution 2016. Like... It it does change my opinion of him. Like, I thought that he was, like, the big boss, you know, of Konami. I thought he was kind of running stuff over there, and as it turns out, he kind of let things fly off the rails over there, and he might be part of the reason why Konami is in the dire straits that it's in now. It really
2: sounds like he went full Kubrick.
0: Yeah. Without concern for the overall wealth of the company, which was hooking him up by paying him a salary instead of paying him on bonuses, because... Metal Gear sells well, but it doesn't sell, like, Call of Duty well, where, you know, you can get rich off of, like, one release, basically, like a lot of the developers of Call of Duty do. So, you know, they were kind of helping him out, also, you know, paying him a ton of money while he's doing R&D and building his engine and doing all these little side projects, like Boktai and stuff like that. You know, you really go back and look at his history, (laughs) he's kind of straight off on these tangents here, and all this time, Konami pays him this same money. And so... Yes, does it change my opinion of him as a game developer and his skills at creating games? No, but I also feel like if you give a lot of developers the resources, the time, the team, the money, and everything else that he's eaten up working on his games, you wonder how much better he really is than everybody else, or if everybody else got that amount of time to do the work, if their games would end up as good as his.
1: Right. Yeah, I mean I feel like there's definitely some parallels with uh, like BioShock Infinite. Nah,
0: no, so, that is a good
1: good analogy. You then. know, because it's it is sort of the thing like okay, you go and you do what you want and and you know, figuring that all out and being a perfectionist about it, you know. And then if you look at it from their their businessman's side it's like, well, couldn't we have gotten out two games or three games that are almost as good as this? <laughs>
0: well, then there's a the whole Ground Zeroes yeah. thing where they release, like, a 15-minute demo. Basically, what it came down to yeah, was yeah. 15 minutes. And they charged, what was it, $40 at retail when it first launched? I think so. Yeah, yeah around I there. I mean, regardless, an ungodly sum, basically, for what you were getting. Almost is like... I almost feel like Ground Zeroes, now that we know the real story, was like an olive branch to Konami from Kojima. He's like, look, I know that I have gone way over budget on this game, way over time. I know that our company's in in bad shape, so... Here, let me release this (laughs) dinky little demo and see if we can squeeze my fans for $40 a pop. And it worked. I mean, it sold pretty well. They made some money off of that thing. And so it's always interesting when you get facts like this and then you start looking back at things that happened that you couldn't understand when they happened. And suddenly things start becoming a lot more clear. And then before we move on from this topic, the last thing I want to ask you is, so obviously Kojima's team is dissolved, he's not working with Konami anymore, he's a free agent. How does this affect whether other publishers want to work with him? Um.
1: You yeah, think it does I, at all? I, I think it's, yeah, it, it's weird because there's also that... Uh, that weird interview that uh, Del Toro did where he's talking about he's still going to work with Kojima. Yeah. But there was another interview that published, I think, around the same time, the same day, that he was, Del Toro's not going to do anything in video games. So it's like, is Kojima going to go make a movie right now? He's kind of <laughs> wanted to do that all along, hasn't he? Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, I, I have, a, I have a feeling like We might not actually see Kojima back in games for a little while.
0: Yeah, and maybe it might be good for him. Maybe he needs some time to step away a little bit. And I also feel like, you know, at first when I heard that he was leaving Konami, and I said it again on this show, I was like, oh, he'll he'll get a job, like, he has a job already, you know? He just hasn't mentioned it yet. But now that, like, the real information's starting to come out, you wonder, I mean, just looking at how risk-averse publishers have become. And, you know, he doesn't have the Metal Gear name anymore... And so, you know, they're making all these remasters and remakes already because they're petrified of new IP. And, you know, bringing Kojima in, having to build a new team, having to build a new engine, because he can't take the Fox engine with him. That's owned by Konami. I don't know. I don't know if working with him seems so rosy. Maybe you bring him in as, like, in a consulting role or something where he kind of comes in and leads an existing team, and he's just kind of like the creative director of the game, maybe provides, like, the scenarios, maybe writes the scenarios, and... Maybe just bring him in, like, you know, an internal team at Sony or Microsoft or something like that, but, you know, if I was a publisher, and I'm like, okay, Kojima's a free agent now, and we have the ability to pick him up, would you pick him up?
1: I think there'd be people that are, are going to want to pick him up. I think,
0: sh- for sure. sure.
1: But would you? If you if you <laughs>
0: own, let's say you're the head of EA.
1: I mean, I You're think, Peter Moore. Yeah, I, I think that, that somebody will take that, that bet, because, you know, they've, they've seen, you know, what he can do with it, they will probably just, you know, they will probably be on top of that, that budget a lot yeah. tighter than Konami has been. Yeah.
0: I mean, I don't Well, I'm one, I don't think they'll pay him a salary, right? Right. <laughs> They're going to build in some incentives in there. But anyway, this has been a really interesting story, really from the beginning, and there's been all kinds of twists and turns to it. I mean, one thing that kind of lends credence to what this woman says is no one's come out and said that what she said was wrong. I mean, there's also been some bad blood between, like, David Hayter and... Mm. and Kojima and you always wonder what kind of what really happened there and you know both of them have been kind of tight-lipped about it I still am going to miss him voicing Snake to be honest with you
2: unless he's in it yeah yeah. I mean yeah that's
0: (laughs) flown around that he's actually still going to voice Snake in some way in the game I mean look based upon what I've played with the new voice acting I'm not a huge fan it's not terrible but it just doesn't feel right and for me, what I think is going to be the last Metal Gear game, it just doesn't make any sense. And he had to know that this was going to be the last one. And so why bring in Kiefer Sutherland for, like, the last game? Like, right. It just doesn't but, make sense. But, I mean, that sense. goes
1: back to, it, again, like, the, just the, the spending out of control. It's like, why?
0: Right. Why well, Kiefer he,
1: Sutherland? Why these songs that are going to be super expensive yeah, to license? Yeah, and
0: why, you know, Kiefer Sutherland, <laughs> you had to pay him, like, five times what you had to pay Dave Nader. Like, there's just, it doesn't make any sense. And maybe that was one of the last straws Maybe Konami was like one, we like David Hayter, damn it, he's a good guy and he's a great voice actor. <laughs> and two, you're bringing this other guy in and you're paying him like five times what we would have paid David Hayter. Like, all I'm saying about this whole thing is that Konami looks completely different now in this whole scenario than they did before. Like before, everyone was very quick to jump on them and say it's all their fault and I hate Konami. I look at the whole thing a lot differently now, completely differently.
1: Yeah, I I haven't been yeah that hard on the bandwagon. I've, I've very much been. Distance myself. So like, I don't know what's going on there. I'm not yeah. gonna throw Konami under the bus just because you know of everybody what we can has see so. externally. You yeah, know. Everybody
0: went after them on their YouTube <laughs> channels and yeah. So it'll be interesting to see if that tide turns a little bit. But the best news for Kojima is that right in the nick of time, here comes this game. You know, everyone's gonna forget about all this as soon as they're playing Phantom Pain, and hopefully myself included. Like, I don't like dwelling on stuff like this. It's fun for conversation. But ultimately, it's all about the games. And so, this put-up-or-shut-up time, we should be getting that game probably in a week or two to start really playing through the review code. So, pretty exciting. All right, so our last topic for the Big Six this week, Square Enix had a huge presentation for all things Dragon Quest, basically. They debuted, well, they debuted two games, I guess is what it was. Jokers?
1: Well, there's Builder.
0: But see, they had already debuted that game. Yeah,
1: see, that's what's tricky. <laughs> There's a lot of yeah. games that they've been talking about, but yeah, yeah. it's, it's hard to, just, like, suss out which ones are actually new and which ones we hadn't just heard about because we weren't paying attention until Dragon Quest XI got announced.
0: Yeah, so Dragon Quest XI debuted, and Dragon Quest Jokers Three debuted, and then Dragon Quest Builders had been announced but never shown footage of it. So okay. let's talk about Dragon Quest XI first. I think the first thing I would say about the game is it looks really early. Like, to me, it doesn't look like that game's anywhere near done. They never showed any gameplay full screen when they debuted it, which they did show for Dragon Quest Builders, which was a little odd. Mm. Um, never showed any gameplay full footage. It was always kind of, like, off screen. Not a whole lot going on in the footage. Like, it's just kind of running around an empty town. Like, I don't see this game coming out for probably till 2017 at the earliest.
1: Well, one thing that was kind of interesting, uh, and I didn't, I didn't actually dig in to see how valid this was, but somebody was saying that... They had actually told him to pull out NPCs and things like that because they didn't want him to spoil too much or something. Yeah. Well, I mean, it,
0: it looks really empty. It's yeah, like, it's, it it's is nothing. weird when
1: you walk into the shop and there's nobody there. Yeah,
0: there's no, it, look at the footage right now. Yeah. It's just an empty wasteland with a jump button. Like, well, at least we've come a long <laughs> way from
2: the days when like Square was like, oh, we can't do towns in HD. Yeah.
1: Right, oh my gosh.
0: Well, I think the big part about Dragon Quest XI is that it's a single-player game, whereas Dragon Quest X or X was like an MMO. Yeah. Which, I think in hindsight, one making NMO was a bad decision, and two, releasing it for Wii U was a really bad decision. (laughs) This one... It's on a bunch of platforms, though. Yeah, it is. And it's coming to even more, I believe, Dragon Quest X is now. But this one is for PS4 and 3DS, as of right now, at least. There's been some hints about a Wii U version. At first, it was, yes, it's coming, and then Square was like, oh, hold on. Oh, the
1: NX version. Yeah, NX version. Sorry. Yeah, yeah.
0: And, uh, yeah, at first Square was, Square Enix was like, it's not coming, and now they're like, well, hold on, maybe we will announce it, it's, it's still kind of up in the air whether it's coming to NX or not, but we know for sure 3DS, 3DS version, kind of cool, does 3D graphics in the top screen, and then an old school 2D look in the bottom screen, which is kind of, I don't know why they would do that, but...
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, one thing that's been, actually, it's been a little bit unclear, is there have been some reports, and then other people are kind of going back on it a little bit, that, uh... That's sort of like that to introduce you to it at the beginning. And then later on, like, it just kind of becomes like you choose which one that you prefer.
0: Oh, gotcha. Yeah, I kind of wondered. I'm like, what is really the point of that? <laughs> and also, why would they build the whole game? Like, the, saying, yeah, that
1: blows my mind. they, they, they built that two whole game versions twice.
0: of the game. <laughs> and you're running two versions of the game. You would be at the same time on the hardware as well, right? Yeah. I mean, I'm not I'm the technical yeah, genius. The one they were,
1: they were running it two times on, on the demo. Because sure.
0: I know the 3DS has separate processors for each screen. And I know the processor for the bottom screen is not as powerful as the one for the top screen. So they, you know, they couldn't, I don't think they could do a 3D version of the bottom and or flip it or whatever. But also what I would say is that it also shows that maybe they will be able to release this game for other underpowered platforms besides what, well, maybe the NX isn't underpowered, ultimately who knows, but I'm kind of guessing it will be, um, based upon Nintendo's track record over the last, like, decade or so. But, so, PS4, I think that makes perfect sense. 3DS makes perfect sense. Although the PS4 has not done well in Japan. Uh, we had some conversations on Sifted about it, and some of the people were saying that they kind of thought it might be for last gen, because, you know, the install base is there, mm-hmm. and Dragon Quest has kind of played it safe a lot of times. Yeah, uh, and that's
1: why I think that they are doing both versions, because they see that they have to, in Japan, put it out on the 3DS to get the sales numbers. Yeah. Uh, but whether... Um, whether they recognize that the PS4 audience is the worldwide audience and they still want to try to get that, um, or they just feel like PS4 is like where their vision is, yeah. um, you know, but I, I think they just, they couldn't not do the 3DS version with the Japanese oh, yeah. and, and with install the install base, base there, yeah.
0: and here as well. But that brings up the other question, which is, will this game ever come out here?
1: Um, I think the PS4 version actually may be the more likely version. here. I'd agree
0: with that a thousand percent. Dragon Quest X still has never come out in the U.S.
1: Yeah. But MMOs, yeah, like there's a ton of, like, there's like Monster Hunter MMOs and stuff, I think, in Japan as well. Oh, yeah. A lot of those, and, oh, Dragon's Dogma Online, man. Yeah. So many people are excited for that. No news. Oh, there's news on it. They
0: put out trailers for it, like, all the time. But, I
1: mean, for North America.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, who knows? Like, and I don't get it, because... There was not a time where a lot of the Dragon Quest stuff was coming over. I think it was just, like, last gen, actually. Like, we were getting a lot of the Dragon Quest stuff. Nintendo was
1: trying to push it really hard because of Dragon Quest IX.
0: Yeah, and now we're just getting, like, basically their hack and slash Dragon Quest games. Dragon Quest Heroes are, like, the only games that are really announced for the West right now. So, you think this one might be the one where they bring it over?
1: Well, uh, Shuhei Yoshida, president of Sony, tweeted in English... About can't wait to play Dragon Quest XI, so okay. I think that's a hint. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was like. Well, it, I mean,
0: look—if you're going to release it for the PlayStation Four, yeah, which was like the first platform that they announced it for. I mean, you're not going to release it just in Japan for the PlayStation Four. I mean, what's their install base? I don't even know what their install base is there. Actually, it's not—not not more than a couple million. In mm-hmm. fact, I don't even know if they've hit a couple million at this point. And, you know, it sells, like you said earlier, like 15000 a week or something. It's not setting the world on fire. I don't know if a video game console ever will there ever again, sadly. I just think... Although
1: this might, this might help a lot. It might help, but in, I think... In Japan. Yeah, yeah.
0: I think the sun may have set on the console market in Japan at this point. But So it does make sense. It's like if you want to actually recoup your investment in this game, they're going to kind of have to release it in the West. yeah. I mean, otherwise... But then you look back, like, Dragon Quest games have not sold great in the West. I mean, they sell okay. I mean, they certainly make it worth the cost of localization and bringing it over. But you're not going to turn a huge profit doing it. So, it'll be interesting to see. I, sh- You know, Shu, obviously, that's a pretty good indicator. Tweeting it in English, also, great that you pointed that out. That <laughs> makes a big difference, too. So, maybe we got some hope here. And then the other game that they showed for the first time as far as footage, Dragon Quest
1: Builders. Yeah, I didn't I didn't really look into that too deeply, but uh it it looks a lot like Minecraft. Well, you can see here we're showing a bunch yeah. showing the footage that they showed for the first time. I mean, it look, it looks
0: like a cross between Dragon Quest and Minecraft, which I think could actually be freaking awesome because I've never been a fan of Minecraft. You know, I feel like when I was a kid, I really liked building with Legos and I had Erector sets and Lincoln Logs and I love that, but I just don't really enjoy building stuff in games anymore. The interfaces always are confusing or time consuming. And I, granted, Minecraft did a great job with its interface. Obviously, if a little kid can build stuff with Minecraft, anybody can do it. But I just I'm not a big fan of building stuff because I feel like I have no motivation to do it. Like Minecraft has that flimsy kind of premise of survive the night or whatever, build mm-hmm. walls thick enough so they can't break in and and get you or whatever. But I would like to play a game like this, where the building element is a much bigger part of the game. And here, it's obviously, you know, it's it, you have this whole huge RPG that you play, and this building part of it is kind of incorporated into it. And so you can see, you start building like an abode, and you have like your own little town that you start building up. It's like an Assassin's Creed RPG. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Um, Yeah, it's it's definitely interesting to see it in uh, third person and and, uh, the different, you know, perspective that gives you in terms of, you know, where you're placing down your items and all of that. It It
0: gives me motivation to play. I mean, look here, even. It's like you use the building stuff in battle. You know, you're putting up blocks to, like, deflect attacks and things like that. And also, I like the art style of the game. Like, I don't know. I think this might be the bigger announcement for me. And this one has even less chance, probably, of coming to the
3: U.S.
0: (laughs) I mean, if Dragon Quest XI is an iffy, that one's like a big iffy, but it would be a huge mistake, because kids, I mean, look, if I were a publisher, I'd be trying to figure out a way to get that Minecraft money, too. I don't blame anyone for trying... In all honesty, like, people say there's a lot of Minecraft clones on the PC, but there aren't many on consoles. You have this huge market sitting wide open for these building games, and... I think we saw there's a couple, there's one for Wii U and one for 3DS, like Cube 3D or something. Mm -hmm. I I can't remember what the name of the games were, but there's a couple, but there's not many. Like, people have actually just kind of let Minecraft be its own beast and, like, just dominate. And so, you know, I would love to see a game like Minecraft that incorporates building with something a little more tangible than just, like, survive. And so, again, to me, this was the more exciting announcement. And then Dragon Quest Jokers 3, that's just kind of one of those throwaway things. I don't think we'll ever see that. Although the Jokers games have come to the U.S. Yeah, before. they have. And so what? how odd would it be if that's the only game of those three that end up coming to the West?
1: Yeah, I, I think there's a chance. I mean, as you pointed out, them bringing Dragon Quest Heroes over is, is kind of an oddball thing. Um, so I, I think that, you know, with eleven that... That may be where you know, Square tries to make another push and like, okay, let's try to make people aware of this again. Well, I think and then Japanese those other games will kind of come along with it.
0: Well, I think these Japanese publishers are going to have to switch their strategy because releasing something just in Japan unless it's Yokai Watch or, like, Pokemon, like, it's very hard to recoup your investment. Yoshi's Woolly World has sold, like, 30,000 copies in Japan so far, by the way. Mm. Like, it is doing... But everything's that way. Splatoon, one of the biggest hits in Japan in a long time, has, like, barely crept over, like, a million at this point. Like the market has just completely changed, and I feel like these publishers are going to have to change too if they want to be able to keep creating these games, and also for us so that we can keep playing them because we love playing their games. So, you know, Square Enix has been slow with this franchise in particular, although I feel like it's done a great job in a lot of other ways. Square Enix is kind of like, to me, like an all-star publisher from Japan for the last like five years. Like I feel like they've really been smart about spreading their wings a little bit, and getting outside the Japanese market, and they've made some smart decisions on studios that they've bought and franchises that they've shepherded. Um, But this is one case where I feel like they need to kind of wake up and smell the coffee, because the coffee's a brewing in the West these days. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right, so that's it for the Big Six. It's time to share our trailer of the week. I have to say that there were not a lot of great trailers this week. In fact... The reason we selected this one is because it will inspire a little bit of a conversation after we show it. This is the announcement trailer for Zombie for other platforms. So, how do you play that game without the gamepad? This just seems like one of the most blatant, like, we need to get our money back on this thing, like, ever. (laughs) I mean, that's the... Look, people weren't impressed with this game for, like, the graphics or the atmosphere or the story of which there was, like, none. The reason people liked this game, the people that did like it, because it was a very polarizing, divisive game when it came out, is because of the gamepad implementation. Like, (laughs) the cool stuff that it did with the Wii U's hardware. So would you even consider... Did you play
1: Zombie I U? Did, I didn't actually get around to playing it because of the people that didn't like it.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a lot of people
1: didn't like it. But, um, but yeah, it's, it's, just, it's just really random. It's coming out in two and a half weeks. and like, oh, okay, sure. Yeah. Um, it kind of reminds me of the, like, uh, what Activision just threw out the... Prototype remaster oh, yeah, for no yeah, good yeah. reason. And just like, barf it on
0: out of there. <laughs> oh, we'll probably make a couple hundred grand <laughs> off of this thing. Just get put a trailer out there and be done with it. Yeah, it's. I can't imagine too many people buying this. I think also at this point, people forgot it even existed. Nintendo was pretty smart, I think, with how they signed that exclusivity deal, because that's probably what happened, is the exclusivity deal finally just expired, and they're like, okay, we can put it out, and other people can play it, but no one cares about that game anymore at this point. Yeah. It's yesterday's news, so. Yeah,
1: and so many zombie games as it is, yeah.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm still puzzled by that, that whole thing. Like, why would they put that game out? But it is what it is. So it's time to move on to our deep dive for the week. And Gamescom is coming up. It starts Wednesday, and obviously if you're in the United States, everything's kind of happening while you're asleep, and just so you know, it's safe that we will be up all night curating stuff from Germany. Looking forward to this coming week for sure. I'm going to be living like a vampire for a couple days, but show starts Wednesday, kind of runs through the weekend. Bloodworth, the big story kind of with Gamescom on the outside is the fact that Sony is not doing a press conference for the first time ever, and, the and, show's, and Microsoft
1: is. Microsoft is. They just started that a couple years ago,
0: right? And the show started in 2009, I think was the first year. Is that right? Um, maybe. I think it was yeah. 2009. So this will be the first time in six years Sony has not done a press conference. They've said that they're going all in on Paris Games Week, which I find a little odd. Yeah, I mean, Paris Games Week is building in relevancy a little bit, but it's certainly no Gamescom. I mean, Gamescom is probably the biggest game show in the world at this point. I mean, as far as attendance is concerned, yeah. because it lets the public in, and, you know, it it you can pay and get in there and just go in and have fun. You don't have to be a part of the press. So, how big of a deal is this? We had talked a little bit earlier about, you know, how we felt like maybe Sony kind of blew its load, so to speak, at E3 and didn't want to share the same trailers or really talk about games that weren't going to be coming for a long time. Uh, again, just a couple months later, how big of a deal is this? Is Sony's not really going to be there? You're saying they're going to have a booth, yeah?
1: Which I was not
0: aware I'm of. Sure. I didn't even yeah, know I'm that, sure they were that were gonna have they're going to. They're
1: still going to be there, just not doing that press conference. But uh, I think it's just one of those things where now with, uh, especially with them having PSX, like they want to hold stuff off for for bigger events. And I also think that uh, yeah, it, it's just it's just a matter of timing. It, like they just did E3, and they don't want to try to schedule for all of these different things especially with where their their first party lineup which they've even kind of said it's like yeah we're focusing on some third party exclusives right now because we don't have the first party games ready at the moment you know and
3: well
0: they did say they are showing more of this game they're going to show horizon zero dawn oh that's great they well they said it's gonna be playable there actually for showgoers but Hmm. they're gonna play this basically the e3 demo and they did also hint that maybe they may have a new trailer with some new footage of the game so that is one game that it looks like they're going to show at least a little bit of, which it makes sense. They're developers from Europe. I'm sure they want to show something at their on their home Yeah, because there
1: were, there were things in the E3 demo that we didn't even get uh, released to the public, like the Oh, towns. yeah, yeah,
0: the behind-closed-doors demo. Yeah, there was a bunch of stuff in there. That actually was kind of cooler than some of the stuff that they did show publicly. So they could even just get away with, like, releasing that extra footage, probably, which I'm surprised they haven't done already, to be honest. But maybe that was all part of the plan to hold it for Gamescom or whatever. Let's talk about some of the games that are going to kind of have their big debut, because we, we did mention how Microsoft has a wealth of first-party games and how they kind of held some of them back for from E3 so that they could show them at Gamescom. Um, one of those games would would be Crackdown, a game that I personally really i'm not a huge fan of right i've never i didn't like the first two crackdowns that much i felt like it was one of those games that was like a good time killer like and i feel like a lot of people that played it kind of played it for a time killer but i would play it for like a couple hours and just be like what are you guys thinking like i don't understand ryan stevens was a person who loved like the first crackdown he's like i don't know i just want to collect the orbs i'm like i don't want to collect the orbs
1: yeah, yeah. Collecting the orbs is kind of feels like the one thing people don't want to do at this point yeah. uh, with open world games. But uh, yeah, I, I guess I mean, well, this this trailer like showed a lot of destruction and craziness, and and so I think it can kind of go in and, well, and like, go look, up ahead su- against.
0: It's basically a superhero game.
1: Yeah, it can go up against Just Cause in a way, and 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 you know, just kind of have that irreverent just screw around in the city. But I I, I still feel like. Crackdown, to me, just doesn't have that much of an identity to it. It doesn't
0: at all. Even look at these characters. They're just so... (laughs) Whatever. Like, there's... I can't remember any of the characters from Crackdown. I can't remember any of the scenarios from Crackdown. I can't remember any, like overarching stories
2: for kills agent yeah that's, like, that's about all i got the guy.
0: yeah and i can't remember any overarching story that like will tie them together there's no intrigue like think about metal gear and all the stuff that's happened in that series over time like there's nothing like that with and also, this.
2: crackdown 2 was awful it was it was terrible
0: so i'm really shocked that they've greenlit this game to be honest i mean look i'll give it a, a chance Right. And you know maybe Gamescom is it, it should be its coming out party because we haven't really seen anything other than this trailer of this game so far. And
1: yeah, I mean, and there are hints here to you know some kind of teamwork and all of that. But, destructible uh, environments, maybe. Yeah, yeah. obviously. Yeah. yeah. If, they, if they don't have buildings crashing down, then yeah, uh, if there's no destructible environments,
0: they're going to get sued. <laughs> 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 I'll be the one to start the class action lawsuit. <laughs> After this trailer, you kind of have to have it. So. Okay, so Crackdown, and then there's Quantum Break, which is a game that I'm actually re- I am excited for. Yeah. Obviously, from the Remedy guys, they've made some pretty good games in the past. Um, Wait, you
1: do want to talk about guys taking too long to make a game?
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, good point. Yeah, these guys do tend to take their time. In this game, like we, th- I thought for sure it'd be shown at E3. They came out right before the show and said it wouldn't be. And I think it was kind of a part of the plan. Maybe Microsoft decided to split them up because I think this game could be like a showstopper. Like this could be like the Horizon Zero Dawn of E3. Yeah. I feel kind of
1: on the fence about this game. I, I, it's like it could very easily just go either direction. Yeah, like it could be mind blowing or it could be like, why do I care? Well, I think so. It, it, Remedies I mean,
0: games are kind of like that, aren't they?
1: Yeah, in a way they are. Oh, I mean, Max much, Payne's definitely got a huge following. But. It does,
0: but I also feel like there's a lot of people that didn't like it. Like, for instance, when I worked at G4 with Matt, Matt loved Max Payne. I didn't play it. And he would come in, Adam Sessler loved Max Payne. I didn't play it. Like, I feel like th- their games do kind of split people down the middle and make, it, make them a bit, you know, reluctant to play their games. Like, you know, once I played the first Max Payne, I was like, I don't want to play the next one either. This game, though, it looks like it has some pretty unique, like, time-shifting. Look, I mean, look at it. It's pretty cool, man. Yeah. <laughs> it looks like a
2: pretty, like, like, not expected, but, like, you look at this and you're like, oh, this is from the guys who made Alan Wake and Max Payne? Yeah, that makes sense. Like, there's some evolution here. Yeah. Of the ideas in those games kind of merged and melded.
0: Alan Wake was another game that was very polarizing. Like, people either thought it was, like, Game of the Forever or they're meh. And, you know... I I actually fell into the mech camp for that game as well. So honestly, I've never been a huge fan of their games, but this one has got me for sure. Like I am really really excited about it. this. Maybe the game I'm most excited to check out at Gamescom, to be honest this, with you.
2: I, this game keeps making me think of like psyops, a little right? bit. Yeah, you remember psyops and Second Sight, and they kind of did those like psychic games like back then, and like you're oh they're playing with physics and they're doing some cool, and then no one ever made one again. Well, then there yeah. was that
0: game called, was it Fractured or whatever? Oh, yeah. Fractured, yeah.
1: Fractured with the terraforming.
0: Yeah, where you could, like, terraform the ground or whatever. Yeah, I mean, that reminds me of this as well. But you're right. There was kind of that whole era there, Matt, where they had games that was, like, destroying or t- and, like, reshaping the earth, and, th- and then they just went away. Like, and all the psychic ability games, they were big for a while. Red Faction, yeah. Yeah. A lot of that. They, that was big on destruction, obviously, and blowing stuff up and being able to drill through levels and things like that, but... I'm really excited for that game, and I think it'll be its big coming out party. Let's get down through this list. We've got a lot more to talk about. Um, Scalebound. Scalebound, yep. Yeah,
1: very excited for that. Yeah, yeah, really excited about that. <laughs> I one. mean, if, if Platinum can pull off what they've done with Banetta 2 and, and Metal Gear Rising, and then just And that, Transformers. And this yes, is, is this, <laughs> that actually does look really good. Yeah. It does. This is
0: Kamiya's game, right? I think he's directing this? Oh, I don't I know. Think that's I think right, so. But yeah,
2: I think he is. I wouldn't put...
0: Why it is weird that they would show this at Gamescom though. Because
2: it looks like it takes place in Europe. (laughs) (laughs) Because
0: it is a very Japanese looking game and you know I would think you would show it at E three before you would show it at Gamescom, but hey, whatever. I'll take whatever I can get. Maybe it wasn't ready. Yeah, maybe it wasn't. Yeah, that could With the number of games that Platinum is working on right now, yeah, I don't platinum know how anything like, going will on ever be now? ready.
2: <laughs> like, Those guys just don't go home.
0: No, they have like six games. Well, see, here's the thing. Like A lot of times they just use Platinum as like an imprint. Like It mm. doesn't really mean that their team is actually building the games. A lot of times they... <laughs> They have developers for hire, and then like a guy like Kamiya will come on and direct the game, okay. and then just use the Platinum imprint. Because like, so, a lot of the
2: Bayonetta guys are on the Transformers game. It's crazy. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so, yeah, I am hyped beyond belief for this. I mean, this trailer is, this is great. still freaking awesome. I, just watching it, it almost makes me forget about what I'm talking about, because I want to watch the trailer.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, I think, too, like, I really enjoy... Um, like Bayonetta 2's combat systems and all of that. Heck yeah! And, and and just the sheer like craziness of things going on. Yeah. But I'm not a huge fan of the art style in the world. Like, yeah, a yeah. lot of that really just. Yeah, no, you're right. Turns, it's kind of ugly. It turns <laughs> me off. Yeah. yeah. Whereas, it's garish. I know, think that's the
0: best way to describe like Bayonetta's like art style.
1: <laughs> so to to see them, you know, again, like re- refine those mechanics, do more gigantic things with dragons and, and a different different look. I'm I'm very curious to see what the game itself looks like. And we have a lot of faith in the
0: combat, obviously.
1: Yeah, how it plays, how the interaction between, you know, the human characters and the monster characters and all that stuff plays out. Uh, Because I think, yeah, it's going to be pretty freaking sweet.
0: Yep, I'm really psyched about that one. Mafia 3 was just announced this past week. They're going to show it for the first time at Gamescom. Were either of you guys big Mafia fans from the... The first couple games? No,
1: I, I, I was curious about the second one and then never managed to, to actually sit down and play it. But, uh, but I think. It's yeah. like the poor man's GTA. Yeah, I, I mean, I, like I, think, I think Mafia I like is more them, about but... a certain
3: mood.
2: The main thing I remember about Mafia 1 was do you remember, like, there was, like, a third of the way through the game, there's that race. And no one could beat it. Like, oh, yeah. All the, all the reviewers were yeah, like calling yeah. each other, like, "Can you finish this race, thing? Cause yeah, I I yeah. can't do it. I can't." I do And they that. had to like send out a save or something. Like, really? All saved yeah. That were like just past that. They got you like, past the race. Yeah. yeah, that's funny. It was too hard.
0: But My like, issue with I the mafia, it. I like it. I like it, and look, I like a different setting for a game like this. Although one would argue that GTA is just the
2: modern mafia. Yeah, but, I mean, <laughs> Mafia too, like has an open world and never does anything with it. It has but an like it has right. an
0: open er world. Yeah, it's but still it's like, not
2: as open as like Grand Theft Auto, though. But I, yeah, but I remember like the original Mafia, like even, they were always a little bit ahead of the game in terms of visuals. And I remember their cigarette tech was, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. super <laughs> on point in both of those games. Their cigarettes look better than any other game.
0: Trademark cigarette tech. But, yeah, you're right. It took them a long time before they went completely open world with this series, and I feel like it set them back. Even Mafia 2 wasn't as completely open world. The yeah. first one wasn't really open world at all. You really couldn't really go in any of the buildings. So I feel like they have their work cut out for them. Um, it is 2K, and I will say 2K's track record at this point is pretty darn good. Like, yeah. Uh, They are becoming one of the most reliable publishers to turn out AAA games. Like, I didn't really resonate with Evolve all that much, to be honest with you. Like, I feel like, I think I played it, like, a few hours before I quit playing it. But you can't really deny the quality that was in that game. Like, it was a polished game, and either you liked the whole concept of it, or you didn't. But uh, 2K is building quite a pedigree, and so I feel like they're at a place where they wouldn't release something that isn't great. And And in fact, I don't feel like 2K would show a trailer for a game Unless they were comfortable at the place it's at, so even if we get a trailer just for this game, which could be the case, we may yeah. not get a demo.
1: Well, I feel like it's you know, there's not been too much you know in this kind of period you know uh, recently you know yeah. like it's a, it's like mafia or or La Noir type of game you know so I, right. again I think I think I think it's gonna just kind of hit that that mood uh, and scratch that itch or or maybe even like for. You know, people that are you know sad to see Mad Men go. You know. Yeah, yeah, you're right. (laughs) That's
0: a good point. (laughs) I
1: never would have thought of that. So let's talk about a couple more
0: here. Uh, Final Fantasy 15, after skipping E3, will be making a Gamescom appearance. They've been kind of hyping it up so far, saying Mm. that it's going to show some new elements to it, some new things. This
2: game is so weird. It really
0: is weird. This whole scene right here of like driving in a convertible while this big monster. Blumbers in the background. That, I mean,
2: I'm kind of into it, but I just don't know what to think.
0: I don't either, to be honest with you. And the demo didn't really provide much clarity for me. It's just so, you're right. It's just so weird. Like, it's just a mashup of like boy bands and like <laughs> high fantasy and like.
2: And luxury cars. And like, luxu- what's going on? I just.
0: <laughs> I yeah.
2: I mean, there could be something, because at least it's different. I mean, it's not. Like, it certainly is.
0: Yeah i'll say that much and i do like that the combat's you know pretty much real time also again i wouldn't be surprised if final fantasy 7 ends up using very similar combat to what you're getting here in this game that'll be a big there's been lots of news about that this week too they're saying they're going to completely rework the combat in some way i don't think there's any way they can make that game turn-based i just don't think that they can Not at this point no um
2: it's the same age still older than resident evil 2 yeah i mean yeah, you got you to gotta update it. You got to bring it into the modern era somehow.
0: I think a lot of people are really petrified that it could just completely ruin the game, and that's probably a, a relevant fear, to be honest. Yeah. Like it could actually ruin the about, game. Like,
2: like, are they going to keep the part where Cloud like cross dresses and like gets like molested by that dude? And like, all I mean, there's a lot of stuff you can get away with, like little nondescript like super yeah. deformed characters that like. You put it in like Big as Life 3D and you're like, whoa, this game's kind of Like, You know, you're yeah. in crazy town. Now there's a so lot of said.
0: cultural I don't know, impasses that they're going yeah. to t- have <laughs> <laughs> to I don't know how to describe it, but yeah, they're going to have some issues like updating that game. It'll be interesting to see Final Fantasy Fifteen, you know, I, I feel like they've shown a lot of it, but I still don't feel like I know anything about it, so maybe Gamescom will be good. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah.
1: It, is, it is very interesting in that sense that, you know, we've seen it for so many years, and yet it feels like very much a mystery. It's like a stranger
0: living in your own home. <laughs> uh, let's see, Horizon Zero Dawn, we've talked about that already. Mass Effect Andromeda, that could be a game that we get a look at. Have they talked about saying more about it?
1: I know EA has their press conference.
0: What else are they going to show? They're well, there's talk that they put Beepo, a lot of, of time on.
1: Yeah, FIFA always is at Gamescom. Need for Speed, they're going to yeah. put a lot of time on. Mouth. Star Wars, yeah, they're going to put a lot of time on. Yeah, Mass Effect I mean, is they didn't show
0: Squad of it at E3, really. Right. Like, I was actually, like, typing something when they started the press conference. By the time I looked up, I saw, like, the last shot of the trailer where he's, like, flying at the screen. I was like, wait a minute, I just missed Mass Effect? Like... They didn't show hardly anything. So uh, that's another reason why I kind of put it on here, because I feel like they need to show something at this point. I mean, if it's coming out next year, as they say, they got to show some semblance of gameplay, or tell us how it plays, or how it plays into the franchise, and how it fits into the story, if it does at all, or if it's well, a brand. It was called
2: Andromeda. I figured they went to a new galaxy.
0: Yeah. And... Yeah, but that still doesn't tell you much. It's no. Like, you know, are, how many of the characters are coming back? Give any of them, like...
1: Um, oh, I, I, I almost feel like this could be like an old Republic style thing where it's like just totally, totally new era, totally new set of people.
0: It could be. But yeah, I mean, again, lots of mystery around this. Haven't shown much, much of it so far. I mean, this is where I started watching it. Like, right there where he flew up that little rock <laughs> thing. I was like, I missed it because it was so short. So I feel like we could see something from that. There's, I would say, 50 50 we see something from Mass Effect Andromeda. Um, World of Warcraft is going to show its new expansion which is kind of early for them to show another yeah. world of Warcraft expansion if you look back across like pe- the past and how they've kind of metered all that out over time like it's a little early for them to show that and to show it at gamescom instead of at not at blizzcon
2: I think they want to get ahead of it uh with you know they're hoping the the movie is going to you know hit it big next year so I think they want to have, have things some rolling and keep it you know keep in the news basically
0: How much longer do you think they're going to release expansions for this game?
1: Well, I mean, I, I think this may indicate that they're trying to speed it up and, and you know, yeah. put them out more frequently.
0: But what does that mean to the long term of it? Like, right. I well, mean... the
2: question is, like, what happens with World of Warcraft when the movie comes out? Right. Like, next, next year, next spring. Why next is summer? that,
0: like, a, a big paradigm point?
2: Well, I think because that's where you're going to expose that lore and that game to people who may have never played the game before. And right. might be interested in giving it another shot, just in the sense, you know, they're, I think they're hoping for something on the level of like a Marvel film. I don't care so how I,
0: good that movie is, I'm never playing World of Warcraft Well, again. yeah. <laughs> like, but what I'm
2: saying is like, if you're in Blizzard's marketing team, you're like, well, we need to have something that when people see this movie and they're excited about it, they can go play something and then yeah. we can get them for life and take their money forever um you know kind of the opposite of what happened with max mad max fury road where it was like man i'd like to play that well you're gonna have to wait yeah it's like i'm wondering if there's gonna be something some synergy here with the movie this cg looks pretty darn good this should be the movie (laughs) always been good enough at the cg to do their own movie well how
0: about the fact that they still haven't released the trailer from comic-con Oh, yeah. Mm. Nope. They still haven't shown it. There was one, like, and let me tell you, they have ninjas because, <laughs> look, stuff gets out, like, all the time. And that trailer got out, and it was shut down. It, I think it went up on, like, Vimeo or some, not, wasn't even YouTube. It was, like, some obscure video service. And they took it down, obviously. It's never popped up anywhere else. Like, all this other stuff that gets taken down, it ends up popping up on, like, Vidme or YouTube. And it it, it it's, like, whack-a-mole, like... They've completely stomped that off cell phone camera version of that trailer somehow. I don't know how they did it, but they did. They threatened
2: so. to ban everybody's Warcraft account. That could <laughs> <laughs> Kick you off uh, Battle.net. That's what we did. Uh,
1: so anyway, we'll be seeing the next expansion for that. They're uh, also going to have something to do with StarCraft II. so they'll probably, you know, yeah. maybe re- announce some kind of release date or something as well. And, and, and Blizzard booth is always packed at gamescom yeah so i'm sure that they're gonna make sure they they put some time in to do something significant and that will likely have some playable presence on the floor as well
0: i'm sure starcraft will be playable in some way shape or form on the floor yeah if anything just to let people like do some esports with with it or whatever um and then the last game i wanted to mention at least as far as notable games that we didn't expect star citizen is reportedly Hmm. going to be at gamescom have they ever shown this game at, like, a an event? Uh,
2: they showed it at GDC uh, 2013. I think they've been at all the GDCs, although they were mostly recruiting. Right. Um, I'm not, They didn't really have a display. But I don't know. I don't, you know... The,
0: so, so let's just lay this out here. Matt, how much money have you spent well, I not know how much you spent a lot of money on this game already.
2: I spent a I'm, I'm in. I got a I got a decent fleet. <laughs> you can see he's <laughs> like I got a Don. decent fleet of imaginary starships. I'm, he doesn't uh, even want to admit how much he used to and I don't blame him because It was more than more than 500. There you go. Wow. Um but he, I am but I am he's a space Small fry. Nut. Oh yeah, I'm I'm not I'm not the guy who bought a 1000 like 100 freelancers for like 125 bucks each yeah, and wants to run a business renting them. Yeah. I mean, which, you know, that dude might... It's ingenious. It might work. I don't know. If the game ever comes out. But it's like, that's the thing is like, I figure this has to be a reaction to kind of that whole, the skepticism that's starting to rise up around this game as to whether it Exists Well, the genesis but...
0: of that is the guy making the game. Like, he just came out last week and wrote this huge blog post about how, like, the first-person shooter version of it's being, like, delayed until, like, next year, and he really doesn't actually really know what the release date is, and he's afraid to give it a release date because he doesn't want to set pe- people's expectations and then not deliver. Like, mm. I don't know, man. This game is starting to spiral out of control. I've
2: always thought that this game is probably 2017 2017- if everything goes well, yeah. and I don't think everything's going well, and you have the thing where the one, the executive producer or something like, has, like left for Blizzard yeah. like a few months ago, and yep. they didn't announce it, and now like Derek Smart, who made the Battle Cruiser games, like it wants to like bring them up on like against the Better Business Bureau or like the Trade Commission or something because he thinks they're like. Fraudulent, and it's oh, just yeah. like, oh, yeah, we didn't even it's mention that. Crazy. Like, crazy, yeah. It's like the first time that, like, a crowdfunding thing has like given a, a refund to somebody, which mm. is a huge, yeah, and they refunded it to him because huge you know, precedent. Because like, Derek's been making essentially this game for like 20 years, yeah, and it's still not you know? done. And like, he, you know, he's put out Battle Cruiser versions about five or six times, and you know, none of them are particularly easy to play. I almost feel Um, like this game is turning into, like, the modern-day Daikatana, where it just promises, like, the world. Well, Chris Roberts has not promised to make us his bitch yet. Right. But, um... Give it some time. It's, it's, you know, I don't know. I, I really want it to be good and to come out as Chris Roberts. I love Wing Commander. I love TIE Fighter. I love that genre. I'm super excited to see him come back. But... Then you run into the question of, like, he hasn't really made a game since, like, 1998 or something. And you're like, well, it's different now. And it has to, you know, and they're doing a pretty good job of getting modules and stuff out there for people to prove. They're like, yes, look, we made Starships. You can fly a fighter in a dogfighting module or whatever. But what they're trying to make here is so crazy and huge. It's almost like. It's like if No Man's Sky decided to handcraft everything yeah. instead of like instead you of know, procedurally generating. Procedurally genera- and, it's, yeah. and you wonder if it can e- if, you know, this level of fidelity we're looking at here, I are you know. going to make a whole universe out of that? I like, don't know, man. I might be asking for a refund if I were you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. At this, at this point, like I pledged that stuff so long ago that I'm happy to sit back and wait. Yeah. But, like, I'm not up in arms about it, but I understand why people would be. I'm not going to blame anyone who doesn't believe. I mean, this is... You're practically in an article of faith territory with this game. Yeah. So that's pretty much... Those are all the
0: games that I kind of earmarked as big stories at Gamescom. There's going to be tons of other games there, obviously, but a lot of them are going to be stuff that we just saw at E3. Hopefully we'll get new demos for a lot of that
1: stuff, but... I don't know. Usually we do. It's it's a mix. What happens generally is the stuff that's out on the show floor is... The E3 demos, and then they have, you know, the behind closed doors demos of uh, uh, in the business center. So yeah, I really like how Gamescom is set up. I wish it's E3 great. would, would yeah. adopt that.
0: But. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, Gamescom the way it's set up is pretty smart, and it manages to get tons of just the fans in, not just the press, and everybody ends up satisfied. Like the press never complains coming back from Game, Gamescom about oh we didn't get enough access or whatever. Like it is logistically set up very very well. So. Like I said, Gamescom starts on Wednesday. Will it be, like, Tuesday night for us? I guess it will be.
1: Well, there's going to be Tuesday, like, press conferences. Um, So it's coming up quick. Microsoft's press conference, I think, is Tuesday. Yeah.
2: Tuesday there? Yeah. So that would be, like, Monday night, overnight for us?
1: No, I think it would be Tuesday there as well.
0: I thought Microsoft's press conference was Wednesday, but that would make it Tuesday for us.
2: We'll figure it out. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I'm just trying to help the viewers here.
1: EA's conferences is, like, the weird overnight one. Yeah,
0: yeah you're right. Yep. So Just anyway... refreshing. Yeah. So anyway, <laughs> Gamescom is coming up this week. We will be all over it on Sifted, and, of course, they'll be all over it on GT as well. So make sure that you head over there and check out all their great stuff. Also, make sure you give Daniel Bloodworth a follow. He is more than worthy, for sure. Do <laughs> you have any questions for us if you want to send those now as I wrap up the show? We'll try to answer one or two before we head off. I do wanna mention that we have a huge, huge announcement coming to Sifted very soon. Uh, It's something that you guys have been asking for for quite a while. In fact, something a lot of people have been asking for for quite a while, and we have made it happen. Um, I do wanna mention we're kind of doing a relaunch of Sifted coming up here in the next couple weeks because the site is finally almost finished and coming out of beta. As you guys saw, we just put up user blogs this week, which was something that was a long time coming. The forums are being built right now, and they're going to be finished probably in about a week and a half. So we will finally have the complete Sifted website done for you guys. So we're going to be doing like a soft relaunch. So we're going to hold this big announcement for the soft relaunch. We want to kind of ball it all together um, once the site's finished and announce this big new project that we're working on. So stay tuned people. There is big stuff coming for Sifted. And again, thank you for your patience and waiting for the blogs to come online and for your patience waiting for this show to come back up. Uh, but like I said, we'll be rocking every week going forward and announcing the permanent co host next week. So let's see if we have any questions. Bloodworth, what would you want to play what game would you want to play from Gamescom? Common? That comes from Rewind Play Labs.
1: Oh. Um, I don't want to check out Horizon actually, yeah. if, it's, if it's actually did you get, playable Did there? you get to go behind uh, I didn't do doors? the behind oh, okay. the closed doors thing, but yeah. It, well, I, look,
0: it, I wasn't an E3 judge anymore. Yeah. Keeley has not re-graced me with that. <laughs> you know, I, was, I was okay to be an E3 judge for like 11 years, but now that I start my own site, I'm not a judge anymore. So I didn't get to play it, because that's basically what they do. If you're a judge, they'll let you actually hold the controller. So right. I had to watch them play it, but you know it's really just a formality them putting the controller in your hands it's like okay now you see that this isn't faked and that's pretty much all it comes down to so yeah. so i did not get to play it either but i did watch them play like the extra parts of it and uh, even if they just showed the extra parts of it at gamescom it'll have a huge splash at the show and i think i would probably agree with you if there was one game that i could play at least as far as like a new part of the game that would probably be the one that i'd want to play uh oh they're asking if we can keep the show on saturdays at this day and time Kobraka, I'm guessing that you are European because the show actually started at like 8 p.m. for them Mm -hmm. instead of being at like 4 in the morning. Uh, We'll see what we can do. Um, A lot of it will depend on the schedule of our permanent co-host as to whether he can do it on the weekend or during the week. I mean, another part of it, too, is when do most people watch? I mean, our numbers, I know, on Saturdays are way lower as far as the live stream is concerned compared to when we do it on Thursday, which is surprising, don't you think? That like, Yeah, it's always weird. It is weird. Like, our Thursday evening broadcasts get way more people. And a part of it was that we were doing it consistently at that time and probably built up an audience that knew when it was coming on. But just in general, like, just picking up new viewers on Saturday seems to be a lot more difficult when you would think people would have free time to watch. But yeah, they
2: have free time, so they're out doing Yeah, I
0: guess they're actually stuff. doing
1: stuff. They're not chained to their home, so... Are there, there dots at work? No.
0: Nope. <laughs> <laughs> actually, there's a lot of people who are... Uh, are watching from europe right now uh let's see shannon bloodworth thoughts on terminator and wwe 2K16. Oh, we earlier <laughs> we were actually talking about this while the trailer of the week was running because bloodworth was like what you're not going to show the terminator trailer and uh I-, I think it's just completely and utterly ridiculous i mean look yeah. it's a wrestling game and wrestling on some levels is kind of ridiculous anyway <laughs> but and then matt was saying like it's been a really bad week for the wwe they say bad things come in threes. Well, they had the Hulk Hogan racial slur thing that happened, they had this happen, and then they had Rowdy Roddy Piper die yesterday rest in peace, Rowdy Roddy.
2: He's all out of bubblegum. Yeah, he But is. he's still kicking
1: ass.
3: Yeah.
0: <laughs> uh yeah, I think it was ridiculous. I think it's pretty stu- How do you have the Terminator in a wrestling game? Like Well,
1: and then they announced that and like all you've got is you reshot the movie. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, Robocop showed up at the
2: WCW back in the 90s, didn't he?
1: Yeah. Oh, wow. It was. It, it, it's yeah, it's wrestling. A, yeah.
0: All right. Another question from Stealth. And we'll take one more after this if you guys want to ask. Uh, Stealth20K asks What are your thoughts on Splatoon being at $2 million in sales? Do you see an NX sequel?
1: Oh. I think so. I think they've definitely... They have a
0: new franchise, yeah. Yeah, they've hit hit
1: a groove there. People are definitely digging it. Have you been
0: playing at Bloodworth?
1: I haven't played it recently. I want to check out, like, the new Tower Mode update, and they've got some more updates on the way. I haven't played it
0: since launch. i played it pretty consistently for, like, a good five or six days and kind of lost... I just thought it was unbalanced. Maybe they fixed that now. But I felt like people who had, like, stayed up and not slept for three days had a huge advantage over me with, like, the (laughs) weapons and things like that. Like... And so maybe now they've done a better job of balancing, like, the matchmaking. I've, I've
1: been dominating since the preview event on Nintendo, so I don't know. Oh, you got in ahead <laughs> early, and so... But no, like, even at the event, like, when we all picked it up for the first time, like, everyone was screaming... The my the name of my character. It
0: just clicked with you for some reason. Yeah, just, just one of those games where you, as soon as you play it, you're like, I'm. The and man. I don't even
1: know why. Like I'm not generally very good at. And I gotta tell shooters. you, Bloodworth
0: is a guy who rarely ever brags about anything. <laughs> so I am guessing that he is really, really good at platoons. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's take one more question. Um, uh, when's Matt on camera? You'll find out soon enough. Um, any sleeper hits to look out for this fall?
1: Sleeper hits. Who said that? Mm.
0: What about sleeper hits? Yeah. Vox ninety one. Yeah.
2: You gotta read the name. That's that's always oh, that's yeah. a big deal. Sorry,
0: Vox. Vox ninety one. Ask that question.
1: Yeah, off the top of my head, I can't Sleeper think, Hits? Can't think of anything. Uh no. <laughs>
2: um, I, w- I had one, but now I can't remember what it was. No man's sky. Oh, guy? oh if, no! If you have actually, if you have a PS4, do not sleep on Galaxy uh, oh, this yeah. week. Yeah. Uh, except a lot of you in Europe, and I don't think they've announced release date for you guys yet. And it would be Galaxy Z there, so it, none of that works. Never mind. I don't know. But if you have a Gal- if you have access to Galaxy, and you love like Robotech or Gundam or that kind of thing, like do it because it's like it's quality. It's yep. good stuff.
1: That is a hilarious thing to bring up. This pronunciation totally destroys the pun. Yeah. Yeah, the pun doesn't work in Europe. It doesn't work in Europe and Australia. Uh, you're
0: totally right. So, I mean, I don't know. I guess I would say if Persona 5 comes out, like.
1: Oh, that's no so way. weird. Is that game really coming out? No, I don't, I don't, I don't think know. So. This year? I don't think so. They
0: said at E3 again that it they was. They
1: keep saying it, yep. So, I believe
2: it was. And North America, hands.
0: too, not just Japan. Like, they said it's coming out, like. But look, if you actually look at prior Persona games, they don't really do a lot of hype for them, so it could be plausible. I, I'd put it at about a 15% chance right now.
1: Well, the fact that they, well, yeah, I mean, it's, that's the kind of crazy thing with some of these, like with Fallout 4, like, you announce the game when it's done and you're bug testing. Yeah. But that's amazing. Yeah, yeah. That doesn't happen. Yeah,
0: yeah, it doesn't have, yeah. Fallout 4 is like finished when they announced it, basically. So, all right, so that's it for the questions. Thanks for the good question, guys. Thanks to Daniel Bloodworth for coming in and sitting in with us today, man. You did a great job, just as expected, and you dress quite well. Rocking the Invisible Walls t-shirt. I was telling him when he showed up today that I actually wore mine yesterday, and it was all spurred on by Huber, who wore an Invisible Walls shirt on Huber Hype this week. I saw him wearing it, and I was like, yeah, I think I have one of those laying around somewhere, and I dug mine out, and I wore it yesterday. And uh, now Bloodworth is wearing his today, so we're keeping the dream alive.
2: The I to, if I could jump in a little history here, I think it's tomorrow, not tomorrow, yeah, tomorrow is the 11th year anniversary of us, our first day at G4. You mean, when we moved when to we moved G4? to LA. To LA, after we left Tech August TV. August 2nd was our first day. Oh, you're
0: right. So this was the day that Tech TV and G4 were forcefully merged together <laughs> yeah. into G4 Tech TV. And then they began the process of mercilessly <laughs> killing off
2: the only good shows that were on yeah. the network. How so. you doing, Unscrewed of Martin Sargent?
0: Yeah. <laughs> it
2: lasted, like, three anyway. months. Yeah.
0: So, actually... This would be also like the anniversary for us moving to Los Angeles then. Uh,
2: this week, yeah, this past couple of days ago. That, yeah, that means that
0: I would have moved to LA 11 years ago. Yeah, moved that, to LA. I can't believe that.
2: Drop my stuff off and then we all went to see The Village. Yeah. In Culver City. Yeah, that's right. I also, Welcome to Los Angeles. Here's a terrible movie. Yeah,
0: but. yeah. <laughs> so anyway, thanks for tuning in guys live. Hopefully, you know, we will try to maybe set a better time for the European peeps, so that they can watch the show live a little more often. Uh, But thank you guys for your dedication Watching the show late Whenever we've done it at other times We really appreciate it We will be back again next week Right here, Sifters Game Face is up and out